Welcome to the Triage Method Podcast. I'm Gary McGowan. This is my co-host, Mr. Patrick Farrell, sipping on his uh, freshly brewed cup of joe in his Starbucks cup, supporting capitalism and slave labor. It's disgusting. Um, meanwhile, I'm supporting IKEA up the Swedes yurt. Um, and yeah, this, this week... We're going to be chatting about more nutrition topics again. Um, we've got a couple more to go, but we're going to be getting some experts or at least people who are maybe somewhat smart um, on the podcast in the coming weeks to discuss some more specific topics. But before that, we want to kind of cover our bases in terms of like this being a series of um, how to set up your nutrition podcast. So, Paddy, what's the crack? How are you keeping? Did you die yet? No, no death yet. Um, we are... This is being recorded on <coughs> Sunday, and uh, obviously it'll be out on Monday, but you could be listening to it in the future, you know, um, or the past, who knows? Um, but there was, uh, on Friday night, a lockdown, even further, you know, basically a, a military martial law state. Um, it's beautiful. You love to see it. Um, so uh, I'm basically quarantined in my house, because I live in Dublin, so... They don't really care about the rest of the country. Um, they care about Cork to an extent, but basically it's only Dublin that matters. So all the Garda in the fucking world are out enforcing people to stay in their houses. You walk out, they're like, do you have ID on you? Um, do you have like, ID, sir? Where are you, where are you going? It's like the fucking Stasi or something. You're from Soviet Union. So, uh, yeah, that's, that's the situation we are in right now. Uh, quite funny to be fair um you're only about two kilometers from your house up to two kilometers you know radius you hate to see it but anyway look it is what it is and it'll be only reinforced for another two weeks or so hopefully um and we get by and like realistically both of us we have an internet-based business so while yeah it's completely you know uh annoying whatever because you know gyms are closed our jiu-jitsu clubs are closed our fucking business is hitting economic dire straits because again you know this is normally a busy time the lead up to summer people are like i want to get shredded need some coaching need some Uh help now people are like hmm i'm stuck inside don't want to get the corona um so you know yourself that obviously affects our business so I mean, said all of that, as I said in the last podcast, I don't want the next few weeks to just be, let's just talk another thing about the coronavirus or another thing about the coronavirus. Realistically, who cares? You know, as long as you're not dying from it, you know, you probably don't want to hear about the coronavirus anymore. Or we hear it on the news, probably your friends talk about it, your family talk about it, and you don't want to listen to a podcast about it, right? So with that in mind, Today's podcast is going to be on a topic that we we did actually cover, well, we touched on uh, a few weeks ago, um, but we're going to discuss it from a different angle today. And the the topic is body recomposition, right? And so we're going to do a little bit of a brief background of body recomposition, what it means, you know, who does it occur in, all that kind of stuff. But we have covered that before right and so we're not going to go a big deep dive on that however what we are going to do is talk about how you can set up your nutrition to potentially achieve this right because 
that is something that is kind of left out of the discussion quite often because body recomposition doesn't occur in like such a large percentage of the population you know it's very specific to certain populations that they're, they're kind of not served because it's like oh well i could write a load of content about body recomposition but it's only going to help you know maybe half a percent of all the people that are out here lifting weights and trying to change their body composition you know so they kind of get left behind the discussion of how to set things up and all that kind of stuff they're kind of left to their own devices and they may not be setting it up correctly for what they want to achieve right so we're going to discuss it from a nutritional point of view like how you would actually go about things if body recomposition was the goal it's actually quite simple and um, but there are some considerations around how you progress things as you know the body recomposition occurs you know um because it's one thing to just set up a plan of action and be like right let's just see what happens you know but you want to have a plan of action that you can progress and change over time so that you can can continue to get results you know um so that's what we're going to discuss today um so i suppose to start it off gary could you just give us a brief rundown of what body recomposition actually is yeah so body recomposition the way i think about it is basically um the concomitant increase in muscle mass and loss in body fat pretty much so basically where those two things are occurring simultaneously i mean simultaneously kind of on the macro day-to-day level um on the micro level i think one of the things that's important actually to understand especially if you're a trainer is that these processes occur via independent signaling um so like anabolic signaling the process of muscle proteins being synthesized is different to the process of you know uh, fat being mobilized from your stored body fat and being oxidized for fuel so they're actually separate things and i think that can help you in terms of uh, understanding how those things can actually happen together because i think one of the things that happens sometimes when people think about everything in terms of calories in and calories out and, and nothing beyond that is that they think that you know all right, if, if you're, if you're in a, a surplus, then it's just permanent uh, anabolic signaling, and that's the way it works. However, that's not the case. It's still on and off and on and off, just to a different degree that's more in favor um, of being net anabolic to all of your bodily tissues. So um, note on the micro level, different signaling processes, but on the macro level, those two phenomena are, are occurring basically at the same time. So this generally takes place um, when, where, where someone is just maintaining their body weight. So you're kind of, you're eating roughly at maintenance and kind of on average, you're more or less staying at the same, um, the same body weight. That body weight might change slightly um, because obviously there's different calorie contributions between adipose tissue uh, stored muscle glycogen, stored muscle proteins, and the respective processes that leads to each of those being synthesized. Um, so you may see some changes in body weight, even though you're more or less kind of eating um, around maintenance. So that's basically what you're going to see. Um, and over time, what that looks like is generally someone progressing towards better physique. So I have one client who actually just sent me some pictures yesterday at kind of our 12-week mark. And he's actually the perfect kind of example of someone who has um, recomped uh, to some degree because he was coming back from injury. Um, he hadn't been lifting properly. And at the moment now, he's looking much leaner, but much more muscular as well. Um, so that's kind of us more or less eating around maintenance. So in that case, 
And you basically have more of your calories being partitioned, you could say, towards the muscle building process than towards um, the fat building process. And that comes as a result of uh, basically you being more sensitive to anabolic anabolic stimuli. So that could be because you're on anabolic steroids. It could be because you're a beginner. It could be because you're coming back from a period of detraining. Um, but a lot of the time, for those of us who are more intermediate and advanced, um, this probably isn't something that we're going to experience very often, um, other than specific circumstances such as if someone was starting a new sport that now trained their neck loads you know they might gain loads of muscle in the deficit and it might look like recomposition similarly if you're never trained your calves before and suddenly you start training your calves loads you might have a recomp style effect because although you're in a deficit you're losing body fat it seems like your calves have just kind of blown up so those things can happen but that's a basic overview of, of what the the phenomenon is mm. and it does bear keeping in mind with this that the, the the concept of staying in and around the same weight is part of this body recomposition process because again we said it on the, the previous podcast i do believe um <clears throat> but if you are losing weight then you are just dieting like you know you know what i mean like because people say that yeah, people are like oh i'm i'm just uh, recomping and then you ask them how things are going they're like oh i've lost 10 kilos i'm like you're just you're dieting. dieting you're literally just dieting you know, it's, you know, and, I, and that is semantic, pedantic. I never know which one of those fucking words is right. Both, uh, both are correct. I'm going to say semantic. Um, but, you know, it is, it is like, you need to get your words correct. Um, I understand the irony of that, but you need to get your words correct in terms of being able to discuss processes with other like people in the field. Like if I say I'm, I'm recomping, you know, like people in the field know what that means. But then if I say I'm recomping, and then I tell them the details of it and it's just a diet, you know, it's just like, Oh, I lost 10 kilos. Then that, that does influence how people will advise you, you know, and that kind of stuff. You're asking for advice and you're like, Oh, well, how should I progress this? If, you know, I want to continue this recomp and then people ask you how it's going and you say you've lost 10 kilos. It's like, that's a different thing than a recomp. You know, if you're saying the exact same weight and you're six weeks into it and you're like, I've been getting some great recomp effects and, um, muscles are really popping whatever else and six weeks mark you know i i don't know how to progress this and people are thinking of that like geez you're actually getting some nice recomp effects this is what i would do in that situation for you know body recomposition that would be fine if we were talking about the same thing but if you're like oh yeah six weeks into a body recomp you know results have been great they're starting to slow and then you we ask about what's going on and you're like oh, i lost 10 kilos that's a completely different thing. Like what we do next is completely different than if this was an actual body recomposition, you know? So you have to be clear in what we're actually discussing. So one of the key hallmarks of this is you stay in and around the same weight, you know? Now, obviously there's some natural day-to-day -day variance and obviously, you know, the, you might lose a little bit more fat one week and gain a little bit more muscle one week, you know? So like it, it, we're not saying it has to be, I was 90 kilos at the start of this and I'm exactly 90 kilos at the end of this, you know, like that's not what we're saying. Right. However, there is also the other side of things. You could potentially also be heavier. Right. And that to an extent, like, while that would be generally classified as a gaining phase, I'm actually going to, I would be more likely to keep that in as a body recomposition. You know, if what had happened was 
you gained an extraordinary amount of muscle and lost an extraordinary amount of body fat. You know, I would generally tend to call and like, say, for example, you were 90 kilos at the start. And then at the end of it, you were 92 kilos and you had lost a load of body fat and you had gained a load of muscle. You know, I would be much more likely to call that a body recomposition, you know, rather than if it was the opposite, you know, you lost a, a load of body fat and gained very little muscle. I'd be like, that's just, it does the diet, you know? And the reason being for that is because that is quite often what people visually uh, go to when they look at body recomposition. They'll look at someone that has lost a load of body fat and gained a load of muscle and be like, that's exactly what I want to do, you know? And without perhaps realizing that the only reason that that has actually generally occurred is because someone was so detrained, you know, they used to have a load of muscle and maybe they used to lift weights or whatever. And then due to injury or, you know, going on holidays or whatever it is, they have not been doing that for the last six months or something, you know? So they used to be 92 kilos and shredded and now they're 90 kilos, not shredded. But as soon as they start kicking training back up and really progressing it all of a sudden you know muscle memory kicks in and boom they're back up in their muscle mass and their body fat reduces in a a linear kind of fashion right or which is what really confuses this whole issue and that is that people will just take steroids you know they'll they'll take you know physique enhancing drugs we won't even say performance enhancing just physique enhancing drugs you know so they'll gain a boatload of muscle because you now the anabolic signaling pathways have just been you know hyper stimulated um because you're on anabolics you know and all of a sudden they're gaining muscle like crazy you know so even if they're eating the exact same amount of calories more of that is being partitioned for the muscle building process and potentially even that muscle building process is so calorie intensive they're actually eating into fat stores you know and as a result that those fat stores are being used for the energy that's needed for all these anabolic processes so they're building muscle at a crazy rate and they're burning fat at a crazy rate you know and that's unfortunately what most people see as body recomposition they'll see someone and they'll be like man look at his shoulders they just blew up they got fucking really rounded they'll they're proper capped look at his traps they're fucking they look great his chest is popping whatever you know they'll literally look at it and they'll be like he went from this guy who's just this average physique at whatever 80 90 kilos whatever the weight is uh, and then it's like oh man he actually gained two kilos of muscle but you know he got this complete body recomposition where he just lost all of the body fat that he had and it looks like he just gained pure muscle and it's like yeah that, that probably did occur but the only reason it occurred was because he was on fucking a rake load of drugs you know so that does have to be factored into the the, the equation now in this podcast we're going to talk about setting up the nutrition for a body recomposition right so that's why we just wanted to get that clear on all those things because if you do understand all of that and you're like okay so body recomposition generally means i'm losing fat and i'm gaining muscle and they're roughly at the same rate you know obviously it's not the exact same time that that's occurring but over the a day a week you know the, the kind of process is okay i've lost some fat and i've gained some muscle and i'm staying roughly around the same weight and my body is recomposing, right? So we're going to talk about setting up the diet for that. However, 
we're not going to talk about setting up the diet for that if you are to go on anabolics because that is a very individual thing and to be honest it's like first of all you, you kind of can't fuck it up you know because you're literally taking drugs that partition calories so effectively like you actually just have to be gluttonous to fuck it up you know um so we're not going to touch on it for that reason but also it's like i it's an individual thing and quite frankly like that's that's not the population that we uh coach yeah no um so we're not going to touch on that however there are two populations that well we'll say three there are three populations that we will be serving with this podcast discussing the nutrition and for all of them the the process is very similar right and for all of them the process starts with having your training on point you know so like this this whole discussion is somewhat irrelevant if your training is not squared away so while this is a nutrition podcast like this specific episode um it's based on the assumption that you already are doing or know how to train. You already are like progressively overloading your lifts. You're already doing enough volume intensity, all of that kind of stuff. So if you haven't set up your training correctly, go back, look at all the resources that we have podcast episodes or on our site or the the program templates or whatever the fuck, you know, find out how to set up your program effectively because the rest of this discussion is completely irrelevant if your training is not on point. Like the training is the stimulus that's going to change the body. The nutrition is purely there to support it, you know? Um, so with that in mind, there's three populations. First of all, we have the beginner, you know, they have never lifted any weights. You know, they've never, they've never done anything or they've kind of only done a little bit here and there with their, their mates in like maybe their gym or sorry, maybe their school has a, a, a gym set up and they just you know maybe a friday afternoon they have pe and they're allowed to choose the gym for that you know i know that's a common occurrence in some some schools but uh so maybe maybe you've done a little bit on and off or maybe you have a like plastic weight set at home you know which is probably you know worth boatloads of money right now um <laughs> supply and demand bro um but uh yeah so the beginner you know so again with that population, you're probably going to have to really focus on getting things dialed in, you know, in terms of you've never really trained effectively before. Right. So that's the population. And then the other two populations are someone who's just coming back from injury. Right. So that's, that's pretty obvious. You've been off for a while due to injury, you know, Um, and the other one is someone who has been off, due to life you know or whatever they used to lift back in the day and maybe five ten years ago when they were a teen now they're in their 20s they've built a fucking successful career whatever but they're like "Mm, i want to start you know changing my body it used to be fucking jacked and now i'm just you know quote unquote normal (laughs) um so those are the three populations now the beginner that's a little bit different than the other two that's why i kind of distinguish them um but with the other two populations coming back from injury or coming back from a layoff and, um, you know, even a couple of months, a couple of weeks, a few years, whatever Post it is. Corona. Yeah, maybe. Um, whatever. Uh, you're, you're coming back and you want to know, okay, how do I effectively get this kind of body recomposition? I'm relatively happy with the weight that I'm at um, and 
you know, I just want to recompose that body. I want to lose some body fat and gain some muscle, right? So those are the three populations. Is there anyone else that you would add into those populations? Young Jerome. Um, nah, I think that covers most of them. Like, I mean, th- there's like, they're all in- indirectly there. So yeah, no, I wouldn't add anyone. I'm happy with that. Perfect. Right. Yeah. As I said, the actual setup of this is it's quite easy to do, nutritionally speaking, right? So it's built on a foundation that your, your training is progressive and on point, right? If that's not the case, then whatever the fuck you do with your nutrition, it's somewhat irrelevant, you know, because you're not providing the, the trigger, the switch, whatever, that actually initiates this process, you know? Like you can eat the diet that we're going to recommend here now, and if you don't do any resistance training, you might get some body recomposition effects, but you probably won't, <laughs> you know? Um, so do keep that in mind. Um, so you have your training on point. So what do we do with our nutrition? Well, it's actually quite simple. And we've covered before in the podcast, it is just eat at maintenance, right? And again, that's that's such a, uh, a cop-out for the discussion is like just eat at maintenance you know but that is effectively how you do this you just eat maintenance level calories because again what we're thinking about when we're thinking about calories and influencing things calories are influencing our weight right so if you eat more calories you tend to weigh more you know if you eat fewer calories you tend to weigh less right so from a caloric perspective if we want to maintain the weight that we're at we are going to eat a maintenance amount of calories you know pretty straightforward concept like it should not be hard to wrap your head around that right however what we do have to factor in is that we want to engage in a process that effectively sees us losing weight but also gaining muscle right so perhaps the macronutrient spread of that those calories has to be different than how we would set things up for other diets, right? And that is true to an extent. And effectively what I do, and you're free to disagree with this, Gary, but I treat that maintenance level of calories as if it is a deficit level of calories. And effectively we would treat the the diet setup as if we were trying to retain as much muscle as possible while dieting right and the thing that that generally influences is our protein recommendations and for me what i generally do is set them slightly on the higher end of protein intake you know and for what we generally recommend which you know that's probably going to be somewhere upper end 2.5 grams um per, per kg um that's generally where I would set them if we're just going, I want a body recomposition, right? However, we do also have to factor in the rest of the diet because what we also want to really prioritize is getting enough carbohydrates in so that you can, you know, perform really, really well because your training is the stimulus here. So you need to be able to have very good training sessions. And generally that means that you're going to have to have a relatively high carbohydrate intake to to see that occur you know and obviously again depends on your training setup depends on your preferences all that stuff but as a general rule carbohydrates are good for performance you know and so that would be generally how i would set it up i would just 
let's go to the top end of the protein recommendations. Like again, you can have lower if that's your preference or whatever, but I just like it because it gives us somewhat of a buffer um, so that if you know there's more anabolism, there's whatever, um, we, we have that available to us. But also if there is any fat breakdown uh, occurring, like we don't want those catabolic processes, you know, bleeding into muscle, like digging into any kind of muscle that we're accruing. So I like to personally just sleep safe in the knowledge that we are in a, a surplus of protein, right? And um, even if we are eating at maintenance calories. However, we also have to factor in how many carbs we're eating into that because I don't want you going like, oh, my maintenance is, you know, 2000 um, and I'm now eating fucking 200 grams of protein and my carbs are fucking non-existent or whatever the fuck it is, you know, and whatever level of calories that is for you, you know, you're, you're eating such low carbohydrates that your performance is decreasing, you know, like we don't want that to occur. Right. What would you say about that, Gary? Is that how you would perhaps conceptualize, think about setting this up? Yeah, more or less. I think, I think protein is the only, the only one that's even interesting to be honest like i mean carbohydrates and fats it kind of comes back to what we discussed in the previous podcast like just keep your carbohydrates kind of as high as is practical and take that recommendation more seriously the more active you are essentially you know because i mean if you don't really care that much about your muscle mass and your performance but like you just want to be leaner and healthier like i'm not going to tell you that eating a higher carbohydrate diet is necessary like that's absolutely not the case um doesn't mean that we recommend going full keto um but i mean like there's no reason why you couldn't be perfectly healthy with a lower carbohydrate type of approach provided you know you're still getting in your vegetables etc um and you're getting in a variety of kind of different types of fat sources as opposed to all just you know saturated fat or whatever so yeah it, it kind of depends there um what your actual goal is but if you're coming to this podcast and you're thinking man i want to be as good as i can in the gym i want to get these body recomposition effects then carbohydrates keep them on the higher end of what is possible within the limits of your calorie intake um then when it comes to the actual protein intake yes i would agree i think keeping it a little bit higher than is necessary is a good idea because like when you think about like i think i think this is just an important lesson in general um, especially as it relates to training studies is like if you're getting an average effect from a research study that informs protein recommendations, then like, let's say our, our recommendation is right 1.6 grams per kilogram of body weight. And that leads to uh, most people in the study being in a good place to build muscle. Um, then that's fine, you know, as our kind of population recommendation. But if you were one of the individuals who happened to actually benefit more from going up to two or 2.2 or 2.4 grams per kilo, um, then like you clearly like, kind of want to know that. And therefore, that doesn't mean that we recommend across the board that you go ahead and just go as much as possible just in case, you know, because <laughs> it's unlikely, very unlikely that you out of everyone are going to need four grams per kilo. <laughs> but when you're already in a, a muscle building in that you don't have the surplus on your side, personally i'd rather have an extra bit of protein on my side if i was worrying about every last gram of muscle is it the most important thing no but i mean if you're listening to podcasts that like this about these nuances and you're really trying to take take care of all those details then it might be something that, that you want to factor in so rather than staying between 1.6 to 2 grams per kilo you might want to just edge you know slightly um above that maybe 2 to 2.2 might be a sound approach or up as far as 2.2 
0.5. It all kind of depends on where you were previously as well. Because obviously, if you're coming into this and you've never managed your nutrition and you're, you're kind of the type of person to get up in the morning, have a bowl of cereal, like lunch, you have a sandwich and dinner, whatever your mom puts on the plate, you know, in terms of meat, then you're already going to be increasing your protein intake by even getting to 1.2, 1.4, 1.5. So, so always, always keep those things in mind because like realistically, just, just, just get all those things squared away first before focusing on the details, but the details can still be important for some. Yeah. So effectively the recommendation is get at least the bare minimum of protein, which is again, roughly that 1.8. We'll just say two for the, for argument's sake. Right. However, there probably is benefits to having slightly higher, especially if you are trying to get this body recomposition effect. And even if that is, those benefits are purely from a satiety point of view, because even the maintenance, people people kind of just gloss over this, but even the maintenance, like that's not necessarily all that filling, you know, Um, like eating at a surplus isn't necessarily all that filling either, you know, and it all depends on how you actually set those, those calories or that food selection up to fit those calories you know if you're eating literally like sugar and whey protein you know it's that's probably not all that filling you know um excuse me even if you do hit your your macros and calories you know um so how you set your diet up how you pick foods how you select foods does matter so just from a the perspective of you know actually feeling full and satiated and um, i would generally tend to err on the side of higher protein if we're in this maintenance phase at least you know um so that's the the main consideration and that for both injuries coming back after after a layoff and a beginner all of that makes sense however if you are a beginner you could basically do everything wrong and just lift weights and you're probably going to see some sort of a body recomposition effect occurring, right? You're probably going to see some muscle building. Like you literally are so sensitive to the stimulus, the, the, the lifting weights process, that if your training is in any way progressive and in any way set up correctly, you know, you're probably going to see some rather significant muscle building occur and as a result, if your weight is staying roughly the same, you're going to see some fat loss occur, you know, like you're basically, it's basically like you just went on steroids, right? If you are that rank beginner, right? Um, so you want to obviously milk that for as long as possible, you know, which can be for up to like two years. That's probably like, you can still get some fucking fairly significant rate of return. Um, as a beginner for the first two years of lifting, um, assuming that your training is set up correctly, assuming that, you know, it's progressive and all that kind of stuff, you know? So if you're listening to this and you are a rank beginner and you're like, geez, I actually don't know if my training is set up correctly or whatever. It's like, well, don't waste. I say waste. You can't really waste your life, you know? Um, Don't waste the time and be fucking around in the gym. Just get onto someone, either uh, hire a coach or, you know, buy a book or, find out whatever means possible how to set up a program correctly get your program set up correctly understand the basic premise of lifting weights understand the basic premise of progressive overload and milk it for all that it's worth you know and so 
if you are a beginner, you again, like you, you really can't go wrong unless you do go on this fucking huge hyper dirty bulk, um, which I, I just generally, generally don't recommend because it's not going to lead to more muscle building than would have occurred if you were to eat, you know, just slightly above maintenance or even at maintenance, you know. Um, so that is the case. If you are a beginner, you could argue that eating at uh, in, in a surplus could still lead to a significant body recomposition effect you know it all depends on exactly uh how young you are in your training career and then also how uh receptive to the the progress that you are you know because some individuals are literally going to just look at weights and build muscle you know uh, so that that could be you you know um that's gary you know he's just that's gets me. Yeah. he just goes into the gym <laughs> smells the weights and all of a sudden he's 20 kilos heavier and that's why he doesn't go to the gym um just gets too big Uh, but uh you know what i mean like there's going to be individuals that just are hyper responders so that could be you and you know you could eat in a surplus and still see some significant fat loss and muscle building occur you know so again you're gonna have to individually trial this now there that's the basic i'm just gonna wrap that up because that's the basics of it you just want to eat at maintenance and you want to have enough protein so that's either uh at least the bare minimum will say 1.8 but it, it basically i would just always recommend between 2 and 2.5 you know if this was just a generic diet recommendation my recommendation is 2.2 that's generally where most people fall just i'm like that's our starting point 2.2 right however if i'm going i want to really push for you know a body recomposition and taking into the account the satiety taking into account some fat loss taking into account that you know having an excess of protein probably isn't going to cause any issues whatsoever i probably go for higher on that range so 2.2 to 2.5 if we are going for a pure body recomposition however you don't have to do that if you want. You know, you can just go, all right, I'm going to stick to the two. It fits my my overall lifestyle better. You know, I'm on relatively low calories for maintenance, you know, whatever it is for you as an individual. As long as you're in that kind of range, like ultimately it's not such a, a deal breaker, such a a big issue that I'd be like, oh, you, you're trying to recompose on two grams? Oh, no, 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 no. You can't do that. Like That's not an issue. You know? um, as long as you're within that range, you're probably good to go. However, there probably are benefits for a slightly higher intake with this goal in mind. Right Now, that's it. It's as simple as that. Right, Eat at maintenance and get sufficient protein. Boom. You get body recomposition. If you are in a population that is going to be able to achieve body recomposition, right so that's that's that part of the argument right and we're going to come back at the just after this next little bit uh in terms of how do we progress that and how do we keep track of that because again as i said most people are just told how to set it up correctly you know and then it's like well where do i go from here you know um so we'll touch on that in a second however there there is a another point that i want to bring up and that is that there is the potential for populations who aren't the normal body recomposition populations, there is the potential for them to achieve this body recomposition effect, right? And that is 
for, well, I'm going to say it for the start. First of all, it's the most frustrating process to even try to accomplish this, right? Because results are going to be so slow, right? Um, but you can do this, you know? You just have to look at it over, like, say, a six to 12 month time frame, right? And the way you could do this is effectively stagger your caloric intake, right? So that over a week, you are still at maintenance calories, right? But on any given day, you might be in a surplus and you might be in a deficit, right? So what I mean by that is, say, for example, you lift four days per week, you know, you do some resistance training four days per week. And on those days, you eat a calorie surplus, right? And we'll say it's I don't know, I'm not going to do the numbers off my head because they're just not going to add up, you know? <laughs> um, but whatever it is uh, that allows you to, at the end of the week, be at the same level, like the caloric maintenance. The four days you lift, you eat in a surplus. The three days you're not lifting, you eat in a deficit, right? So effectively over the week, you have days where you are in a more anabolic uh, state. And then you have days where you're in more of a, a, a catabolic state, right? Now, that potentially over time could lead to a little bit of fat loss and a little bit of muscle gain, right? So you could do that, right? And that is something that some people really like to do. You know, they're like, oh, this, this is how I set up my day. I get to have different calories. I have a different diet and I get to really like, I'm either this is a training day or this is a non-training day. And they, and they like that whole process. However, it is my opinion that you're probably going to see no difference than if you adjust at the same amount of calories on each of those days and ate at maintenance, you know? Now, that's my opinion. There, there might be people out there that have the opinion that, no, this, this is going to lead to significant fat loss on the, the deficit days and significant muscle building on the, the muscle building days, the anabolic days, you know, the surplus days. However, I just don't, see it working like that like there's no there's no inherent you know magic to the 24-hour cycle you know it is just the accumulation of things over time you know and at the end of it even if they are right they say you know the the the, the calorie cycling people even if they are right like we're, we're talking such a low level of difference that it's probably indistinguishable you know like it, that would just be the same as like genetic variation. You know, it would be too hard to tell exactly what occurred. You know, you could have just been, you know, more hyped in the gym. You could have taken more caffeine and that could have been the stimulus that <laughs> did it. Like, you know, like uh, we're talking here like grams of muscle and grams of fat loss at the end of the day, you know? Now, that's that's my personal opinion. Someone might be like, no, I do this with all my clients. And after six months of this body recomposition, calorie cycling, they get ridiculously good results, you know? However, I just, I just have a hard time really accepting that, I suppose, you know? So that's m my bias. I would just be more in favor of a more consistent calorie level throughout the week. Um, however, I do understand that some people like that up and down approach, that zigzag kind of approach. Um, and I actually don't disagree that there probably is some utility to it. I just don't think that the magnitude of effect is so large that it would be something that I'd be like, 
no, that is actually exactly how we set up our, our recomposition phase. You know, that's exactly what we do. That's my personal opinion. Again, you as an individual listening to this, maybe like, no, actually, I'm going to try that. I'm going to see if I notice a significant effect. I actually have a twin as well. So he's going to eat at maintenance every single day. And I'm going to eat four days in a surplus, three days in a deficit. But at the end of the week, have that equal the same amount of calories total for the week between the two individuals, you know, and maybe you notice some significant muscle building and fat loss effects, you know, personally, I don't think that it will, it would be indistinguishable. What are your thoughts on that, Gary? Yeah, like I pretty much agree. Like I don't think there's any real reason to believe that you'd see massive differences in body composition between um, basically overfeeding a couple of days per week and underfeeding other days of the week versus just kind of keeping it consistent across the week. Like, again, it could be the case. It's just that, you know, we're kind of, you'd be toing and froing with theories to try and justify one or the other. And I think ultimately the main barrier is not the extra 1%. The main barrier is the behaviors that allow you to achieve the other 99%. And that's really what you have to ask yourself. And if that happens to be the case that the two, like, for example, the uh, the anabolic diet is is one type of diet that that was like used by many bodybuilders. And that's basically where you underfeed or eat a lower carbohydrate approach, I believe, for five days of the week. And then two days at the weekend, you basically, you know, indulge a bit more. Like you don't want to have a total crazy, massive cheat day binges. Like some people do that. But I do know some like pretty smart people who'd be like, they're well into their science and evidence-based stuff, you know, but they still follow that type of approach of, you know, five days of kind of restriction and two days where they just overfeed and enjoy all the meals they want really, um, because that allows them to maintain in the long term. So, I mean, ultimately like nutrition can become very dogmatic in both directions in that, like, for example, you could be a hard, stern, low carb keto guy, but you could also be a, hard stern kind of uh you could say nutrition nutrition nihilist that just says that all you know the evidence suggests that it's just calories and nothing else matters you know and and just say that we should all eat the same that it's kind of just this average um track your calories track your macros uh here are the ratios boom done like that might be fine for some people but if you're the type of person that does better on i don't know you you do a ketogenic diet five days per week and then you overfeed on pizza and cereal at the weekend like okay there may be some disordered eating patterns in there you may not want to teach your kids that but i mean if it works for you and it's not having adverse physiological or psychological effects then please feel free to to do whatever you wish you know dead right guy and that is the thing about nutrition it is completely dependent on the individual their beliefs their practices their even their fucking religion um mm-hmm. like it's it's so dependent like it, it, there's so much that goes into it beyond just oh here are the uh caloric uh components yeah. to uh different macronutrients and uh we're just going to add them up and uh yeah and we got your calories and uh yeah see you later you know like um that is obviously a great starting point and obviously when we're discussing it it can seem like that's the, the point that we have. It's like, yeah, just eat your calories and track your macros and whatever. But it's like, you, you have to factor in that we're talking to a, a general population here, but on an individual level, you would coach nutrition. 
you know, um, and that you can do that yourself. You know, you can look at the, the science, you can look at the recommendations and whatever else, and then adjust from there, you know, based on your unique circumstances, issues, whatever. Um, so that, that is part of the, the whole process, right? Now, rather than just descending into a rant or rambling, um, like we always do, Gary, we have one final thing to wrap up. And this is the progressibility of uh, a body recomposition period, right? Because what inevitably happens is you've been doing this for a couple of weeks, you know? You're like, yeah, I'm actually seeing some significant fat loss. I'm seeing some significant muscle gain. Everything seems to be going well. Again, you've been doing it for six, eight, ten weeks. And then you're kind of like, things seem to be slowing down because inevitably they will. Um, where do you go from here, you know? And I'm of the opinion, well, actually, before we go into that, we should also say that it also becomes extremely hard to track the the rate of progress, you know? Like, unless you have some sort of scales that does, uh, you know, bioimpedance, you know? Um, and even that, it's not, like, it's not that accurate. But, you know, just so you have some sort of metric that you're tracking, it's it's very hard to keep track of how things are progressing, you know? Like, if you're losing... I don't know, 50 grams of fat and gaining 50 grams of muscle per week. Like you're not really going to be able to see that, you know, even though technically speaking, you are body recomposing, you know? And so that's very hard, like very, very hard to track, you know? And now obviously it's easier if you are, you know, losing a kilo of fat and losing or gaining a kilo of muscle, you know, which potentially might occur you know, well, we'll say over a month time period, I was going to say a week, but that's just completely ridiculous to gain a kilo of muscle per week. Um, but you know, that, that might occur over a month where you're like, yeah, I lost a kilo and I gained a kilo, you know, I lost a kilo of fat, gained a kilo of muscle. And it's like a kilo of muscle is fairly significant. Like you pull out a, a kilo of meat from your fridge there and you'll be like, all right, you're probably going to notice that even if it is dispersed across your whole body, you know? Um, like you'll see a small increase in muscle size on like, I don't know, your biceps, your calves, your fucking hamstrings, your, your glutes, whatever. You'll, you'll see or potentially even feel that, that slight increase, right? And obviously, if you're also losing a kilo of fat in that time, time frame, you'll be like, all right, that's, you know, it becomes even more obvious, you know? Um, so once the numbers are quite large, it's fairly easy to keep track of because it's just visually you can be like, okay, I weigh the exact same, but Jesus, my, my delts are fucking capped now you know? Um, so that's easy to see. However, as you progress, like naturally enough, you're going to be losing less fat and gaining less muscle, you know, even if you are staying at the same weight, you know, like effectively you've just slowly over time transitioned into a diet that just keeps you the same. Like it just maintains, you know, and even if your training is progressive and all of that is occurring that you're like giving the stimulus and, you are still progressing in the gym, you know, the rate of progress in terms of muscle gain or fat loss can effectively grind to a halt, you know, to a, an indistinguishable rate, you know, where it's like, right, you, you've literally been doing this for six months and you had a great return on investment. You lost six kilos of fat and you gained six kilos of muscle, you know? And, and now it's at a rate where it's like, I, I, for the last two months, you know, we'll say we're at the eight month mark. You're like, 
nothing really has happened. I look the exact same. Like I've, I've been taking pictures the whole time and nothing has changed. And maybe you do have a scale that is, you know, bio impedance or whatever. And like when you started, it was saying 16% body fat and now it's saying 10% body fat, you know? Um, then you can be like, right, that 10% hasn't changed in the last two months. You know, like some days, yeah, it's 9.9 and other days it's 10.2, but in around, it's around the same for the last two months, you know? And at this stage, generally what I would recommend doing is either going into a dedicated diet and losing the last little bit of fat that you want to lose or going into a surplus and really progressing and chasing that muscle gain. So it depends on how your physique looks at the moment and then how you want it to look down the road or I say look, but that could also mean performance wise, you know, you could be looking at performance metrics. Like if you want to have a higher, I don't know, squat to body weight ratio, it's like, well, obviously it's like you've a few ways to go about that. Um, you can just get terrifyingly strong or you can just get lighter. Um, so it, it, it depends on exactly what you're looking for from the diet but after about or i shouldn't give a time frame but once you start seeing progress slow to an indistinguishable rate you can maybe milk that for two or three months more because you're still getting some result it's just very very slow um but generally what i'll recommend people doing is just going into a dedicated either gaining phase or you know fat loss phase it just it, it allows them to see quicker results and if we can just diet for like diet down lose you know whatever two to three extra percent body fat you know you, you drop whatever we'll say two to three kilos you do that over a six to twelve week time frame it's like boom like man you've completely transformed your physique because over this entire year we'll say you know you gained significant muscle and now you're just showcasing it you know or the opposite could be true where you're like okay yeah i'm actually relatively lean now after my body recomposition, I was lean to start with, and it looks like I've gained a lot of muscle, and um, but I want to gain more. So now you just flip the switch and go, right now I'm going to be into a slight surplus and really start chasing that over the next two, three, five years, you know, in this small surplus interrupted by some small deficits every now and again to kind of tidy things up, you know. And that would be a, a great approach for a beginner where you like do the first six months or so as eating at maintenance and just nailing nutrition habits, behaviors, absolutely nailing training. And then as the rate of gains of, you know, muscle gain, and then also fat loss start to dwindle, and then you just switch it into a, a small surplus and slowly keep, keep that gain train going, you know, um, and do that for five years. And all of a sudden you're fucking hundred kilos jacked out of your mind, you know? Um, so that's, that's the process of progressing it. It's basically just keep going until results start to dwindle. And then you, you can't really do much about that. You've, you've effectively tapped out the, the stimulus that's being provided. And you start having to think about switching your priorities then and either go into a dedicated deficit or a dedicated surplus and start to tap things out with that. And that's going to be completely dependent on your goals and obviously where you are like if you have more body fat than you want even though you've been seeing significant fat loss um you know maybe you do go into a deficit but if you're like yeah, i'm pretty lean um i want more muscle then you probably go into a surplus you know um and again we've, we did episodes on that 
those surplus and deficit numbers don't need to be dramatic. Like it's not like just add 500 calories or drop 500 calories. Like they can be quite slow or quite low numbers. And then you can, you know, slowly milk that fat loss or slowly milk that uh, muscle gain, you know? And the, the issue with the whole thing is again, the trackability of this, you know, like the progressibility, it's just like, okay, eventually you're just going to have to tweak your calories to either eat less or eat more. It's pretty straightforward. Effectively, once you've milked the the gains from your your maintenance calories, you know you, you've milked the body recomposition gains, then it just becomes okay. Now I'm back into a quote unquote normal population, and the the normal rules apply. Where if I want to gain some muscle, I have to eat in a surplus. If I want to lose some fat, I have to eat in a deficit. You know, so you just you effectively after you've milked everything, you then just become a quote unquote normal population you know so all of the normal rules apply right and so you you do have to keep that in 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 mind that that's the progressibility of it you know it's you just become a normal person (laughs) and but the trackability of it like this is there there is no no easy way to track this you know again like the, the the easiest way would be to get like dexa scans every month you know um but that's like 70 to hundred euro a pop, depending on where you live, it could be even more, you know? Um, and that's obviously not exactly the most practical, but if you were doing this as a scientific experiment, that's probably what you would do, you know? Um, Cause that's DEXA scan is the gold standard, uh, even though it's not actually that great, you know? And, but if you're trying to do this at home, you're probably just going to have to rely on pictures, like taking in the same pose, same lighting, same time, etc. Um, and then the scales and maybe use some tape measures as well. You know, if you're like, I want to use my waist circumference and maybe my bicep size, my quad size, you know, and that gives you a good indication. Maybe even your like chest size gives you a good indication that things are progressing. If, you're, if your waist is going down and like your biceps are going up, it's like, all right, I'm probably gaining muscle, you know? Um, if you do have a scales, I know like a lot of scales these days, they they, they come with that bio impedance stuff, you know, maybe you have to shell out a little bit more than just getting that little digital scales from fucking, I don't know, little or Aldi or something. Um, but if you go to any kind of shop these days that sells scales, you can get a, a digital one for relatively cheap, especially if you're going to use it pretty much every day and it gives you data that you can then use, you know, you probably can get some bio impedance and what it is not as consistent as you would like it to be. And it is not as accurate as you would like it to be, you can still use it and look at the trend over time and then, you know, progress things based on how that is progressing. You know, if you notice again, it's been stalled out for a month, two months at the same exact numbers and you've been eating at maintenance, then, you know, you probably need to change something. Yep. And the other thing would just be to keep an eye on your training. You know, if you're, if you're hoping to gain muscle, then you would hope that, or you'd expect that in the gym across multiple sets, your strength in um, moderate repetition ranges. For example, if you're if you were previously doing three sets of ten at uh, 100 kilos on the bench, and now you're able to do three sets of uh, 15 at 100 kilos on bench, like you know that's that's pretty good progress, and it would be an indicator that uh, things are probably moving in the right direction. And obviously the greater the effect that you see there, the more likely it is that you've gained muscle in that area. And there's, it's not, 
it's not a perfect relationship, but it's definitely good enough when you look at um, those moderate repetition ranges and you look at it across across multiple sets. If you're if your one rep max increases, like that could just be skill, it could just be practice. Hmm. So that's why I suggest that kind of, kind of six to fifteen rep range across multiple sets. Um, that if you if your strength and performance is increasing across in those metrics, it's probably more likely that it's related to an increase in muscle size, um, especially if you were already accustomed to doing those exercises and those repetition ranges. Yeah, and I think the, the, the fact that it's like across multiple sets is also very important yeah. because again, like a single set, that's to an extent, a lot, a large skill component, but multiple sets, while obviously there is a, quite clearly the same skill component. And um, if you're doing it across multiple sets, that's more indicative of, you know, muscular adaptations have occurred that allow you to do this, you know? And I say multiple sets, I mean like the normal, like two to five minute rest intervals. It's not like, mm-hmm. you know, I did multiple sets of a uh, hundred kilos for 12 reps, but uh, I took 20 minutes in between each of those sets, you know? And that, that wouldn't be as indicative as, you know, three sets done within a fucking 10, 15 minute time frame. you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway, do you have anything to add to this body recomposition debate, this body recomposition plan of action? Um, do you have anything to say? The only thing is that when I woke up this morning, I was like, Jesus Christ, I am bollocksed. And I didn't know why. I did not know why I was Wrong. so fucking tired. And I thought I was weak. I thought I was just after getting weak. Then I realized the clocks actually went forward and that's why I was fucked. <laughs> I only realized that now. I was like, oh shit. That's what happened. We lost an hour. Fucking so did you not plan ahead and go to sleep an hour earlier? I actually I didn't. I actually went to bed late and that's what fucked me. I was like, Jesus Christ, I'm never this tired after this much sleep. But yeah. Weakness. You hate to see it. Um But anyway, um I've nothing else to add to this whole discussion. Um basically eat at maintenance get sufficient protein and milk it if that's if you think you're in a population that can get some body recomposition that's how you do it and then eventually transition into the the normal people us normies who basically have to eat in a surplus or in a deficit to get the results that we want you know so uh that's probably going to be the case this this episode is probably going to help a lot of people once they come out of this corona time um, like oh yeah i got a little bit fatter because my diet wasn't you know perfect and you know maybe i lost some muscle because the stimulus wasn't there or maybe you just didn't train you're just like oh, i fucking i hate this you know i don't like training at home so you're like i'm just going to take six weeks off or whatever it is whatever whatever it eventually becomes um and you just go yeah i'm just going to go back into the gym come april whatever whenever we're allowed back um and then just go into a maintenance phase and watch, watch the body respond. Watch all the muscle gain and fat loss occur, you know? And anyway, where can people find us? Where should they follow us? Etc. As always, you can subscribe to the Triage Method newsletter um, below and get all of your updates additional content, recommended resources, etc. You can also get involved in the Triage Meth community, um, which is busier these days with content from others and from us. So I would recommend getting involved there. That's our free Facebook group linked down below. Um, 
Additionally, of course, you can engage with our services, um, online coaching, group coaching, online. So one-to-one and group online coaching, I should say, as well as our resources that are available in the store. So beginner's guidebook and um, training templates. The group coaching at the moment does have home training variations. So if you are stuck and you want more guidance than has been offered in the free templates that we've been, that, that we've given out, the group coaching could be a, a good show for you because we can, you know, give you more support there, obviously. Um, and then one-to-one coaching, if you really just, you know, you want to get on the ball, boom, um, get to work on some, some, some goals. Like that mightn't seem appropriate for many people right now. However, there are actually some people who could probably benefit more from starting one-to-one online coaching now than they would at a normal time because they've got more time to be able to prepare their nutrition, to get their habits in order, to plan ahead before they do go back to work properly um, and not have as many barriers in the way. Even if you can't get to a gym, you can still do lots at home. And that's not me just saying it. I'm saying it because personally, I'm probably finding it much easier to manage my own nutrition right now. And I actually had a client check in yesterday and I was saying to him, I was saying, uh, look, I know this is a really stressful time. So anything I can do to support you, you know, just let me know, whatever. And he was like, man, this is the easiest I've ever had it. <laughs> like he's making great progress. He's like, I have time to cook my meals. You know, it's, it's great. So, um, it's not all, it's not all bad. And I know that some, some coaches have been talking about that, that as well, that, you know, they've had some new clients come on and it's been a smoother process. So if it's something you're interested in, that option is available. Um, and yeah, that's that's about it. You can, of course, follow our YouTube channel, Triage Method on YouTube, Triage Method on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and uh, then you'll be all up to date on Triage. 100%. I should also add that we do have consultancy as well. Yes. We, we're doing actually a good few of those because obviously coaches and stuff, that's the main people that are looking for this and they have more time off. Um, and obviously they're like, all right, well, I want to upskill in this area. Um what do you guys have to say about this? And then we just do an hour consult, talk about talk through things. And, and yeah, that that's been going well, because obviously we both have more time available to us so we can do more calls. And obviously people are free to do that. But uh, just on that topic of uh, the nutrition and training being easier at this stage, like it is one of those things which it is kind of counterintuitive where you're kind of like, oh, well, the gyms aren't open and I can't do this. But like you were saying, Gary, like a lot of my clients are in that position where they're still making great progress in this time. You know, maybe they picked up a few dumbbells from fucking Argos or something, you know, and they've been really getting after it. But I know some people just weren't able to do that and they're just getting after it with, you know, push-ups, some chin-ups, pull-ups, you know, different things where it's like, we're still working on our goals. And this is, this is the thing you're going to see, like people who are obviously we'll say in the fitness industry, but not like working in it. Like they just go to the gym and kind of that kind of stuff, you know, and maybe they're listening to this. Like some of them may not be fully in love with the process and that's okay. I'm not saying you have to be, um, but they just effectively just sack off training for the next however many weeks, you know, um, and they're going to come back and be in a relatively worse position than when this whole stuff started, you know? And again, that's perfectly fine. Like it's it's your life. You can do whatever the fuck you want to do. I don't care. Um, but they're going to be in a relatively worse position. And then they're going to be looking around and seeing people that are like, oh yeah, I didn't lose any strength or I actually gained muscle or I lost fat, you know? So there's no reason, even though it's a very annoying and unprecedented time, um, there's, there's no reason to necessarily just give up on all your goals and be like, look, I'll start, I'll start when the gyms open back up again, you know? Like, the human body it doesn't know if you're lifting um 
weights, you know, like you could be lifting fucking logs for all it cares, you know, and obviously, you know, humans evolved before weights. So, uh, you know, I don't think they're a necessity to, to gain muscle. You know, we've been, we've been pretty successful at doing it without weights for thousands, millennia, you know, um, like you think about it, like resistance training as we know it, like weights and stuff, like that's really only the, the 1920s onwards, 1930s, and really only came to prominence in the 1950s, you know, onwards. So that's 70 years, you know? So before that, obviously there was like odd implement training, you know, um, different things. And before basically making re- resistance training equipment out of like, old junkyard scrap or railroad scrap and that kind of thing is gonna be like oh here here's something that's really heavy let's see if you can lift it like a fucking girder or some fucking shit and it's like all right this this weighs like 200 kilos let's deadlift it off, off blocks you know um that, that that kind of shit like that's what people were doing before this you know so if they could do it with fuck all equipment you know that they literally just built themselves like you you who can order something off Amazon and have it here in two days, you know, you can get by, you know, now obviously of course there's a lot of people in the position where they've lost their job and, you know, maybe finances are tight and whatever else. And that's obviously a priority. However, you know, resistance training, well, I'm going to say resistance training, but training in general is a nice little stress reliever. And while it might not seem like it when you're sitting down there going, Oh fuck, have to look at my budget, have to look at my finances, like going like, Oh yeah, just do an hour of fucking training at home. It's like, that might seem like the furthest thing away from what you need to do. However, it is a nice little relief, uh, a little outlet for, you know, any pent up aggression, any pent up fucking anger, whatever. And, but yeah, I, I do know that people are in a, a poor position financially, well, potentially a poorer position financially, and it's completely out of your control. And that can lead to a, a feeling of a lack of confidence. I know a lot of personal trainers I've been talking to, they've been feeling that where they kind of, they've had their, their confidence knocked where they're kind of like, oh fuck, like it almost feels like they've done something wrong. You know, they've been build, building their business for the last two, three, four, five years. And now all of a sudden it's fucking on death's door, you know, cause it's like, fuck, like I have no clients. The gyms are closed, you know, and they obviously have to eat as well. Maybe they have families, etc. Um, but I think just keeping in mind that it's like this, this is not your fault. You know, this is the, you didn't cause this issue and realize that there, you didn't do anything wrong to be in this position. So all you can do is get through this position, get through this whole situation and, rebuild afterwards you know so if that is you lost your job or if it is that you are a personal trainer coach whatever and you know your your business now is like uncertain you're not making money etc it's like you didn't do anything wrong like there's no need to feel shame guilt whatever like yeah you might not have the money now to pay for your fucking house for the next three months and and obviously that's a fucking huge issue pay your rent pay whatever and and obviously that's a huge issue but it's not your fault you know, so I think just getting rid of that kind of fault guilt aspect to it and um, really does help people move forward with all of this kind of stuff. I know like, cause I've been talking to a lot of personal trainers about this and different coaches and stuff in the group or like, you know, obviously in my area um, and they, they, they do kind of feel like a bit guilty, a bit like, 
it's their fault. They should have done better. They should have done something. They should have been quicker to adapt or, you know, whatever. But again, it's, this is just an unprecedented situation and it's just not your fault. And come whatever time the gyms open back up again, your business is going to open back up again. And, you know, yeah, if you lost your job and you work in, I don't know, the finance sector or something, it's like, yeah, you're probably going to be out. Like I know I have like a few clients, two clients that are architects and obviously architecture, architecture, yeah, is uh, heavily dependent on effectively a boom market, you know, if no one's building houses, no one needs a, an architect, you know, that's obviously, you know, not the exact case, but you know, um, so they've lost their jobs and stuff, you know? So that's not their fault as well. It, it, like, it's just, that's the economy that we're in. And as soon as you come back, you know, jobs will be created again and it's all going to be okay. Yeah. So it's not your fault. Don't feel bad about yourself unless you are Xi Jinping. Exception. Dead right. Um, <laughs> you're going to be executed now, but it was my last public uh, appearance. <laughs> um, anyway, that is all we've got time for. Um, I have nothing else to say. It is too easy, as we always say. Goodbye. Auf Wiedersehen. Uh, das Vidania. What's, what's Irish? Slán. Slán, <laughs> uh, Right, goodbye.